Hey, this is Ashley. Hey, this is Marcy. And this is School on Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libations. Make sure you check out our website at School on Life Pod. That's S C H O L I N Life Pod. This week in Mentoring Moment, I'm talking about gratitude. And this week's message may be a swift chip for you. Too often, I see women, sometimes myself included, using phrases like, well, I'm just grateful for this, and I'm just grateful for that. And I believe that this framework of just grateful is really holding women back in a meaningful way. What happens is someone along the way told us that we need to be grateful, or that we were ungrateful, or that we weren't grateful enough. We weren't grateful enough that we had a job that paid us. We weren't grateful enough for our, uh, you know, colleagues and, you know, to have health insurance on our job. And and we weren't grateful um, that we, you know, had somewhere to go every day. We weren't grateful that we weren't unemployed. And so we leaned into this, oh, I'm just grateful attitude. um, And it keeps us stuck. Fear means that we don't do anything else. We don't make any other moves. We, we stay stuck because we're just grateful to have what we have. And we think that gratitude um, and ambition can't go together. <laughs> and so then we say things like, well, you know, I don't think I'm going to make a move right now. Maybe I just need to be grateful for what I have. And I think that this is particularly um, true of um, so many women in this quarantine um, and pandemic era um, with unemployment as high as it is and so many employers, um, you know, laying people off and furloughs. Um, Many people feel like maybe it's better to stay stuck. Maybe it's better to be safe. Maybe it's better to lay low. Uh, And I what I want to encourage women to think about is that there is no safety in staying stuck. And even staying stuck can be scary and can be um, painful and impact your life and career in negative ways. And so I really, in this week's video, talked about the importance of being weary of this, oh, I'm just grateful attitude and knowing that gratefulness and wanting more, gratefulness and ambition, gratefulness and uh, your next step can coexist in the same space. And just because you want more, striving for more, or um, exploring new opportunities for your life and career doesn't mean you're grateful, uh, not grateful, excuse me, for what you already have. And so it is just really important that you don't let this gratefulness sort of mantra uh, trick you into believing that you can't be grateful and strive for more. Um, And I wonder, Marcy, you know, as I talked about this, you know, you walked away from your uh, full-time job uh, this year to grow your practice. Um, Did you struggle with or hear from anybody else, oh, you should just be grateful when you were sort of making that decision and exploring that? No, people don't talk to me crazy like that. Um, And I just have a different understanding of gratitude. Like even hearing just be grateful about something kind of undermines what gratitude means. There are lots of things for me to be grateful for at my job, of course, stability, security, et cetera, et cetera, kind of. But there are also lots of things to be grateful for moving forward. So people may have thought about it, but I wasn't considering it from a perspective of I'm ungrateful. So I'm doing this. It was more so because I'm so grateful for all the things that God has given me the opportunity to pursue that I pursued that option. So no, people don't come at me out the side of their necks like that. (laughs) 
I'm so glad to hear you haven't had that experience because so many of my mentees, either they themselves, right, are just like in the spirit of, oh, I'm just grateful or, you know, they have people in their lives like, well, you should just be grateful you have a job or you should just be grateful that your boss isn't like this or that, right, the comparison game. And then they, they, that that ends up leaving them stuck. And so um, I'm so grateful that you haven't had to have that experience and that, you know, the people around you and even yourself, you have enough sort of confidence and like you say, your perspective on what gratitude means and how to operate in from a space of gratitude and also like um, forge out ahead is something that you have some um, balance around because I think so many women don't and it really leaves them stuck in a way that is so detrimental to, to them and their lives and their career. Um, but make sure that you do go check out the latest video. It's at Instagram.com backslash Ashley Ashire. Uh, it's called uh, How Just Being Grateful is Hurting Your Career. And it really is such an important um, conversation that not enough women are having. And so I want you to check it out and absolutely let me know what you think. And if it changes your mindset and your, um, you know, your outlook on what gratitude means and how you can operate from a space of gratitude uh, while striving for more. So this week in I Digress, we talk about what it means to learn from our partners. Uh, it was um, one of a famous R&B artists who said, teach me how to love, but we think that we can learn more than just love from our partners. So listen as Marcy and I talk about what we're learning from our partners, how they serve as our teachers, how we teach them, and if there's anything that we think we can't learn from our partners. So Marcy, what is Mr. Marcy good at and in what ways can you serve as his teacher? I'm sorry, or in what ways can he serve as your teacher? Got you. Um, he's so good at a lot of things, but I would definitely say that one of them is just being a good hearted person. Um, he is extremely kind. I was telling someone else this recently that he just like waves at every car as we're drive walking like we're out walking our dog and he's just waving at every car and most of them don't even wave back and I'm like why do you keep waving at these random people that you don't know literally every single car but that is just who he is like he is so just good at being a good person uh, my friend was joking the other day because she came over and as she was sitting over, we were hanging out talking, and he's just like reading his Bible. And she's like, I felt so uncomfortable because he's just sitting on the couch reading his Bible like the old Okay, man. that would make me uncomfortable too. I'd be like, is like, is this normal? Does he typically sit? <laughs> yes, that is his typical Saturday morning activity to start the day. So he's just a really good person. And um, I think that the ways that he serves as a teacher for me is really through modeling. And me just seeing how compassionate and how good he is. He's a role model of that for me. And there's very little that can like stir him up and get him um, agitated. So he's my calm. And by seeing the way that he moves and operates through the world, um, it's just a good model to see of that. And with all of the things that we know in terms of stereotypes and the way that people try to box black men in particular, black women in, in, in particular, it's just refreshing to um, have a, a picture of something that's very different. So what about you, Ashley? What is your partner good at and in what ways does he serve as a teacher to you? 
he too is good at a lot of things, but um, he's really an expert in like equity and diversity and justice related um, issues. He teaches and trains on this topic all the time. And I'm always learning from him, um, you know, things about, you know, better ways to like make our world more equitable, right? Better ways to serve people, better ways to um, you know, make sure that identity matters and it's centered in our work. Um, and I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned from him, you know, my leadership practice, you know, as a, as a leader and a supervisor and a manager is like centering people's identity when managing and leading them. Um, you know, I think that as a manager and leader and just in general in the workplace, I take a very um, conservative and traditional approach. I'm like, you come to work, you do your job, you get paid and you leave. Like that was my framework for a really long time. Like we need to leave our personal lives out of our work. We should not be, you know, no crying in the workplace, you know, like no crying in baseball. That was like my philosophy or whatever. Um, uh, but I think that, you know, just from him, I've learned, um, through modeling, but also him just us talking about, you know, leadership and some of the ways that I struggle and some of the things that I do really well. And him, you know, talking to me about like this, you know, identity centered leadership uh, has really helped me be a better leader, a better manager, a better supervisor. And I think that even informs my mentorship practice, right? Because then I can teach other women how to be a better leader, a better manager, a better supervisor. And right, I can um, serve them women, those women well, um, and making sure that I'm centering their identity, even in our mentorship. And so um, definitely something that I've learned from him and something that I'm so grateful around. Um, but I think that that requires, right, me learning requires me to be teachable. Um, so for me to be teachable, for me to be coachable, for me to be a good listener. And, you know, I think that I wasn't always like, you know, I think, you know, early on in our relationship, it was just kind of like, you're good at this and I'm good at this. And I walk my lane and you walk your lane. Um, but just, you know, for, through like, like you talked about modeling, but also just through intentional conversations and, you know, talking about my work and him talking about his work, I'm able to glean from him, just like seeing how he leads, glean from him as he leads. But then also just like actual intentional conversation about, hey, I'm stuck here. What should I do? And him saying, oh, maybe you should try this. You know, you know, I have a staff member who's going through this. How can I best show up for them. Maybe you should try that. So that like me being teachable and being coachable um, over time has really helped me learn from him in a way that I think I wouldn't have before when I was just kind of like, you know, you have your expertise, I have my expertise and neither shall the two ever meet. Um, so Marcy, do you feel like you're teachable and coachable, um, you know, in the ways that best serve your partner in teaching you and, and, and your ability to learn from him? Yeah, I, I think that overall, I'm a pretty open person. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways that comes with maturity as well. But also in the work that I do, like I have to show up with openness. And so I try to be very intentional about how do I create those kinds of spaces in all relationships in my life? Like, it's not fair <laughs> that I can be open with clients and be coachable and teachable and um, non-judgmental in those spaces and compassionate in those spaces and not do those in my personal relationships. And so I definitely, like, I think a part of being teachable and coachable has a lot to do with flexibility. And so that is just like a foundational aspect of who I am. And so that definitely shows up in my relationship. And I think that it's reciprocal um like there isn't anything that 
I don't think I would be open to learning and being coached from him in the same way that I think that he would be open to coaching and learning from me. And so there aren't any topics or things that, um, that I think are off the table in a sense, like he can't tell me how to be a black woman, right? Because like, you can't do that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that he can teach. He can't teach me about the ways that I show up in the world as a black woman, right? Like, I think it's important to be open to having what other people's perspectives of you are, even if, well, your partner, like <laughs> being open to having your partner's perspective, because that's the person that if we think about it being a partnership is the person that you're spending the rest of your life with. So even in those spaces where I feel like it's my identity and it's something that's really important to me, I don't think that there's anything that we couldn't have a conversation about and that we couldn't possibly learn about from one another. Um, what about you? Are there things that you feel like your partner can't teach or coach you in? Well, I don't know about can't, but I think that some of the most challenging conversations that we've had that like either I and I would say he wasn't really teachable and coachable were around poverty and around policing. So we grew up very differently. Um, I grew up pretty poor, like on public aid, on food stamps, in the projects. Um, he grew up in a very uh, affluent black neighborhood um you know his parents met in graduate school right like we're you know we're talking about a different type of like growing up and upbringing and so you know when i talk about like you know poverty and economic uh stability and you know like living in a society where i'm okay paying higher taxes for example uh you know because i and i'm wanting to live in a blue state where you know the public aid is readily available uh you know free health care for children is readily available like these kinds of things we've often been challenged in our relationship to to talk about those and to come to a teachable space because we both just it's really hard for either of us to relate right to how we how we relate to the each other's lived experience um and how we see the world right and that that's definitely something that he can certainly tell me about his experience and teach me about it just like i can tell him and teach him about mine but you know the 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 teaching about like the values that someone has when they grow up impoverished versus the values that someone has when they don't and and how the, the they can really alter someone's worldview is is really impactful uh and i remember visiting um like his home with him and like you know meeting his parents and, and visiting and i literally was so it like and I, I hate to say this, but I was so struck by the fact that he grew up around all, like his entire neighborhood, his entire community, all of his teachers, like he grew up in a very affluent black neighborhood. And I didn't even know that existed until maybe like college. Like I literally didn't even know that there were black people who lived that well. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like I was literally like baffled. Um, and, and so just that, like that experience, I think it's not that it's not teachable and coachable, but I definitely think that's a space where it's more, it's, it's less teaching and more like empathy and just like listening and understanding than it is teaching. 
Um, and policing is the same way. So I have uh, a very, what I feel like is a very real and valid fear of the police in this country. Um, I remember, I'll never forget one time I got, we got pulled over and I was in the car with him and he's just chatting with the police and talking and asking about their dog. And I am literally like, like, I'm sure my entire face was wet, not from tears, but because of sweat. Like I was, so, I was perspiring. I was stressed. I was so nervous. I probably bit my tongue off, a chunk of my tongue off. I'm like biting down so hard. I had a headache afterwards. Cause I was like clenched up. So tight. I mean, I was completely fearful and I remember after that, you know, we had went out to dinner and we were going, uh, headed home from dinner. I remember him being like, are you okay? Like what happened? Like, da, da, da. and I'm just like, that was so scary. I can't believe how casually you're talking to the police. Like, this is insane. Black men are dying. You know, I'm just like freaking out. He was like, oh, you talking about Bill? You know, da, da, da. I'm like, you know the police? You know 12? Like I was not okay. Like I was like, there was no, you can't tell me nothing about the police. Like I can't actually can't nobody. It's not even him. Nobody can tell me anything about the police except for they're a deadly force that's used to exterminate black folks. So I was not going to kiki, but he was just like, I don't understand where this is coming from. <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> so yeah, I think that that has been a space of like, um, like his lived experience with police uh, is very different than mine. And, um, but again, I think it's just about like empathetic listening or empathic listening or whatever um, in a space where maybe teaching is harder to occur. Um, and, you know, I think I've come to learn that like, I can't teach him the ways that I think differently, <clears throat> for example, about those topics. Um, and I've had to learn <clears throat> when I am trying to teach him that, uh, teaching by example does not work for him. So if I, for example, am like, I do something and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, cause that's how I learn. Like I see somebody do something. I'm like, okay, I could probably figure that out. Like, okay, I watched them. Okay. Let me do a little bit. Okay. Yeah. That worked. Let me rewind it. Let me like, that's how I learn. Um, but that is not how he learns. I could do something a million times and, and I would be like, well, why don't you just do it? Like the last time he, you know, it's like, no, he'll look it up himself and he'll figure it out. Um, and, and it, 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 it's, it, it would be better if I told him something and left him alone, not, not, not showed him, but just told him and let him figure it out. And that's how he learns best. And so I think that, um, my teaching style definitely had to shift. If I want to teach him, if I want him to learn something from me, if I want to impart something like doing it, and showing him is not is not the way. Telling him what I desire, what I want, what I think, and then letting him learn for himself, I think has been a has been a shift in my teaching style, but has been, worked so much better for our relationship. Um, so, what about you, Marcy? Like when you're trying to teach Mr. Marcy something, or you want to impart something upon him, what is your teaching style, um, and in what ways have you hoped to teach or coach or um, or guide him? Yeah, I think that my teaching style is likely, let's talk about it, <laughs> we need to talk, um, and just sitting down and being able to explore and kind of understand and see both parties' perspectives so that we can come to a mutual agreement around what that needs to look like. And even as I was hearing you talk about, like, the two points that um, you all kind of very much so differ on, it really made me just think about, like, what am I trying to teach versus um, what 
do we need to understand about one another? Because I don't necessarily think in a lot of ways that it's always about teaching or making sure that they do something in the same way or in a way that I want them or I want him to do it, but more so like, can you understand my perspective and be able to respect where that's coming from? So that's why conversation is so important to me. And uh, we're listening to a marriage series right now that kind of talks about communication and conflict and just like the different personalities. And I think that it's so important to do that. Um, but for him, like reading can also be really helpful. So if there's any kind of reading things, but then there's always a discussion that comes along with it. And I think that that would be my hope when I think about this is can you understand and see my perspective and respect that? And can you honor that without being resentful and without being bitter? Um, can we just kind of be on the same page in the same book without being spiteful towards one another? And I would also just add to that we've been doing this for a, a little bit of time. Um, and so when I think about where we started, like if we had this conversation back when we first got married and when we were first dating, it would likely sound very different because we were in a very different phase of our relationship. And so after being together for almost a decade and being married for however many years, like that work, and I'm a therapist. And so that work is like constantly happening. Um, so I just, I don't want it to sound like we're perfect and we just have this all figured out. Like, no, but there are lots of, there are lots of things that we've learned about teaching and coaching one another over the time that we've been together. And I think that's just, that's the nature of being in a relationship. And I think that when people are trying to learn from each other, it is about trusting the longevity of it and knowing that you won't be able to learn everything about your partner in the first year, in the first five years, in the first 10 years, and being open to knowing that things will shift and their values and their perspectives on life can change and being open and flexible to that, but also just being open and flexible to hearing from your partner. I think in a lot of ways for Black women, like, well, I want to hear it. Like, we know what we know, and you're going to fix it up and be this certain way. Um, and I just think it's so important to, like I said, respect and honor where your partner is coming from and just be willing to be flexible and be willing to learn. And if you have that, if you always have that willingness to be open and be flexible, you'll likely continue to learn from your partner, which is what you need to be doing for the rest of your relationship anyway. Um, what do you think it's important or why do you think it's important for couples to learn from each other? I'll first talk about my own sort of lived experience and then more generally, I mean, I'm a teacher, I'm an educator and like, I love to teach and train and coach and that's true in my relationship too. Uh, and so if, if I can't tell you nothing, you know, if you can't learn anything from me, then I, I'm, I'm concerned about the health of our relationship because you don't value like what I value or you don't, you can't receive me as someone who can, who can teach or is worthy of, you know, your receptive, you know, you're, you're like, you're like to teach or train you, you're not, you're, I wouldn't be worthy of um, imparting knowledge upon you. And that would suck, right? Like, I don't want to, I think that that's a, that was a, that's a relationship that I um, wouldn't want to be a part of. One of the things I'm grateful for, um, grateful for with my partner is that um, 
he is just so teachable. He's so coachable and he listens and he acts. So it's not just like, all right, I, yeah, I hear you. But the next time I, I, I can't ever think of a time um, where we've had to have, like do have the same conversation over and over again, where we have to do the, you know, like have the same pain point because certainly, you know, like you said, Marcy, you'll learn new things all the time, but I'm just so grateful for someone who's willing to change and shift and adjust and get better um, all the time. Um, and that consistent pursuit of excellence in our relationship, I think keeps us happy. Um, and that's something that I attempt as well. And so I think that it's important for couples to learn from one another uh, because I think, and I recently read a quote, um, you know, Oprah talked about what she learned from interviewing hundreds, you know, of people across her career, her life and career. And she said, the one thing that she learned is that everyone wants to feel heard. Everyone wants to feel like you hear them, like you understand them, like what they're saying is important. And that's what teaching is, that you feel heard, that you feel valued, that you're able to impart knowledge. And so, um, I think that, that it's important that you learn from your partner. If you are with someone who you feel like you can't learn from, um, you know, test whether or not it's you who, who's not teachable and coachable and you are being stubborn, or if this person doesn't really add a lot of value to your life. Um, and I think that, um, and I think that it's important for couples to look for opportunities to learn from one another, both um, by modeling, but also by like sitting down and saying, hey, I see you doing this well um, and I want to know how to do it better too. Or I feel like this is a gap area for me or, you know, share with your partner like, hey, I want to help you with this because I feel like, you know, you might be better at this and I might be able to help. Like get like having that much humility and grace in your relationship where you can have those kind of challenging conversations, I think can be really empowering um, and it can help you both grow. And we digress. Next up is All Black Everything. Marcy, what do you have for us this week? So this week in All Black Everything, I just wanted to shout out our soror and congratulate her on being having the vice presidential pick for the Democratic Party. Um, if you all, you all will be listening to this after the Democratic National Convention um, airs on Monday, but just wanted to give her a shout out and say, hey girl, we see you. We're so excited. I have been... Um, adamantly avoiding anything related to the 2020 presidential election but I had someone to like ask me whether or not I was voting and the question shocked me because I was like what do you mean am I voting <laughs> of course I'm voting like yes I am disappointed in the the prospect of what we have out there but then it just dawned on me again that there are a lot of black folks who are considering not voting and I just want to urge everyone, because I can't imagine that any of our School and Life listeners would be considering not voting. So I want to urge you all that if you have a friend or a family member who is considering not voting, that you really have a conversation with them about how important it is for us to vote. One, there are too many Black folks that died and got beaten and battered and bruised on the way to getting us the right to be able to vote. But also, like, we cannot run the chance of another 2016 happening like the one of the primary reasons that we are in the current situation that we're in right now is because we lost that momentum and that gumption that we had when barack was running yes we were running off of pure hope we were excited to see the first black president in office and those were all amazing reasons to be out and voting and 
we need to get this person out of office this year. And if we don't vote or if we go and write in somebody's name, y'all, we are going to have another four years of the same thing. And I'm not saying that Kamala's platform store, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, not saying that like I agree with everything that she's done up to this point or that like she's a perfect candidate or that Joe is a perfect candidate. What I am saying though is that I would rather have my dog as the president right now than what is currently in the office. So please, please y'all, like please find it in your heart and your spirit. I know that we are weary and we have been running a race that feels like it is never ending. And I personally cannot take another blow in the year 2020. I get it. But y'all, not voting and not voting Democratic is really not an option because we have to have something better than what we have right now. So shout out to our soror. Like I saw this little video that went past <laughs> that was uh, all the AKs um, strolling to go vote. Yes, so we are going to be in full-fledged pink and green. Like we're still gonna support her. We're still holding her down, but y'all please go rock the vote. Indeed. And thanks so much for shouting her out, Marcy. I'm, I'm so excited to celebrate her. And of course, we were the first, like first and finest. And it's it's an honor to be um, in the same sorority. Um, and I, your comments about voting and like being shocked when people say, like question who they're going to vote for black people black women in particular question who they're going to vote for in um, the 2020 election i'm baffled i literally came across two two black women who i know personally would say are smart thoughtful black women who posted things on social media like oh one of them said something like oh um you know i want y'all to be prayerful and thoughtful about um, you know, like this year's election, you know, a lot of what um, Biden is talking about sound like mandatory vaccination. So I just want y'all to be thoughtful. Uh, da, 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 da. And I'm just like, what hotep type shit is this? Like, what are you talking about? And then another, um, another woman that I know was just like, yeah, I feel like y'all don't see it coming. Like, you know, what, like, he's not right either. Why don't we just sit down and talk to 45? Like, I feel like nobody wants to have the conversation. And I just, again, Marcy, these are not like strangers. Like, I know both of these women. And I, I am, I am, I am nervous. Like, they made me nervous. Like, I, I feel like I, before that conversation, I knew the opposition, right? I knew the enemy. When, when Black pe women, Black women that I actually know say concerning things i'm like oh we're 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 in trouble yeah and it's it's really scary and i'm so glad that you brought up black women because the one of the other things that i think is really important for us to just name and be in prayer about is lifting this black woman up because here's the thing like people a lot of my white coworkers, my previous coworkers, were like oh my gosh i just wish michelle obama would run or oh my gosh like what if oprah ran for president and i'm like no because what y'all do is y'all drag black women through the mud when they get into these roles and into these places like i will never forget michelle obama being judged because like she had her arms out or something like and people associating her with being a monkey so and those arms i mean how like are there more perfect arms like I 
I literally work out every day on the goal of getting her arms and you got a problem with them? Good. Right. Exactly. So I just want to make sure that this woman, because we know that she's, she's already under scrutiny. Like they're already talking about the birther crap. Like, which is she eligible and all this other stupid stuff. So please like even, no, I'm not even going to say that. Lift her up in prayer do some meditation, some yogas, like whatever it is that you do to send out positive energy, because this woman is going like, it's just a nature. It's the nature of our country that they're going to drag her through the mud. And the people who we really need to be, the people that really need to be standing behind her, honestly, are black women. So lift her up, support her, go out and vote because that is just, it's just not an option not to. I'm going to get a little bit more specific. Please vote for the Democratic nominee uh, in the 2020 election. I don't, I don't, I mean, if you're not, I actually want to be very specific about where we stand. Don't just go vote. I mean, that's a specific candidate I'm hoping you will lean into, sis. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, we are so grateful that we have your ears uh, for 60 minutes or less every week. Uh, be sure to tell a friend about School and Life podcast. We are growing. It's hard to believe we are approaching 100 150 episodes um, and we are so uh, thrilled um, that we we get a chance to be in your ears every week um, and before we wrap up we'll do TVT uh, Marcy what do you have for us this week so over the weekend we actually watched the new Jamie Foxx movie on Netflix um, it is called Project Power. For some reason, I always want to call it like Power Play or something. But it is a little snippet about it. It's called, it's called, the little snippet about it says that it is an action and adventure movie about an ex-soldier, a teen, and a cop that collide in New Orleans as they hunt for the source of this illegal substance <laughs> um, that grants users temporary superpowers, right? And the movie is actually kind of cool. So it definitely is not Oscar-worthy. I'm not saying that um, it is something that will change your life forever but it's an interesting twist on what our internal superpowers are and how um those kinds of things can be exploited and weaponized honestly so with the movie this white man essentially and this like um <laughs> shysty group creates this pill that if you take it you will be able to access and unlock your internal power for five minutes. And there are different kinds of powers, but they're all based on um, animals. So spoiler alert, one of them is thermoregulation. So you can either turn into fire or you can like basically turn into Elsa. I'm sure there's an actual terminology for it, but she was like real frozen. So that's one. And then there was also invisibility, which it kind of looked more like camouflage. So I guess you can kind of liken them to the same thing, but it was invisibility, bulletproofing. So if you got shot or if you got hit in a certain way, you would not be harmed by that. Healing properties is one of them. And we'll come back to the healing properties one. Supersizing. So of course you get really big, like Hulk up. Um, flexibility was another one. And then super strength, self-generation, self-generating weapons. And then there's like a pistol shrimp 
who apparently is one of the fastest, um, most lethal animals in the animal kingdom. And that was the strength that Jamie had, that Jamie Foxx's character had. But then they were using him. So there's a bit of a like social um, commentary in there because she talked a little bit, the woman who invented it talked a little bit about Henrietta Lacks and how they used her DNA for all of the like scientific knowledge that we have today. And basically they were using Jamie and his daughter in the same ways. And they kidnapped his daughter so that they could keep creating these pills and keep using her DNA to create things. But she was actually a healer. So she could heal any wounds that anyone had. So it's a cute little story. I enjoyed it. It was a nice little action film for a Netflix and chill kind of situation. So I'm really not telling y'all much about what happens in the movie, just some of the um, the superpowers. So I would definitely encourage you, if you're into action, you like a little superpower film, to check it out. We'll do. And what's the name of it again, Marcy? It is called Project Power. And there is a cute little black girl. Um, so it's two little cute little black girls, but there's one who's like a rapper and <laughs> she's also, she's adorable, but she is like the supporting actress as well. So definitely, but yes, it's called Project Power. I love that. And I definitely will watch and I'll give you my review in next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. School's out. Class dismissed.